This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, the whole team's here. As we wrap up Oktoberfest, also known as Zachtoberfest in these parts. That's right. Make sure you stop by the fridge and ask them for some delicious Zachtoberfest ale. They will have no idea what it is because it doesn't exist. But we do pretend to drink it in Zach's honor. That's my NIL deal. This is his month, man. This is it. And it all ends up with him being Ted Lasso. What? You know what's crazy is that's who I'm going for as Halloween. Oh, that's right. It's not no, it. I'm Joe Exotic. I totally screwed that up. You're not Joe. You're <laughs> I not got my wig in today. It all ends up with him being Joe Exotic, which should be great. Thinking about getting a tiger outfit and going out with him. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so much fun. Oh, my God. Would that be funny to have a full-grown man in a tiger outfit? Rawr. Rawr. Does that mean Ryan has to be Carol Baskin? No, he's Doc Hannell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoever that is. Yes. Never watched it. Never watched oh, it. Jeez. I've, I've found that there's been a lot of people that actually haven't watched Tiger King lately. Uh, Doc is uh, an animal collector in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that also has orgies with incredibly average women. Welcome to the Powercat Podcast. We talk about K-State sports and weird stuff. Hmm. Our segment sponsors are Tanner's the High Low, Game Week, Home Game Week, Afternoon 2.30 Game Week. That means you can squeeze in some Aggieville in the morning and in the night like a real damn K-Stater. And enjoy some football in the middle. There's nothing more K-State than hitting Aggieville for the early games, going to your game, and coming back down for a little dinner and some drinks afterwards. And then passing out in the alley. Go Cats. That's it. That's it for my open. But make sure you stop in the fridge. Homecoming, too. To oh, that's right. It's homecoming. So if you're coming to the game, welcome home, man. That's great. <laughs> it's not Harley Day. We already had that. It's not um, any other day. Is it just homecoming? I think it's just homecoming. <clears throat> it should be salute to Zach Day. But it's, it's his day. Let's get to your questions. Here we go. Ron Gilbert has them. Perhaps the most important question Uh-oh. of this podcast he's, he's, comes ooh. from Wizard6294. Zach, did you get pelted with tortillas this past weekend? I escaped. I was not struck on Saturday by a flying... Tortilla. But, but you have been in the past. Come close. I'm three for three on escaping. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I kind of. I don't. I wouldn't say I cheated this time, but I hung out in the end zones for most of the game. When you say you hung out, could you explain that better? I took me and my camera and posted up. I saw you on TV. Gills mm-hmm. did see me on TV. Mm. It was when Landry uh, dropped that ball. Oh, well. Where there was clearly blatant holding. <laughs> Even Tim Brando was talking about that play. Wow. Did he say my name correctly? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening to us right now. Oh, believe me. He will. He probably has his computer set to listen to all podcasts in case his name is mentioned. <laughs> the man is obsessed with the man, mm-hmm. basically. So I'm good. I'm glad you're safe. Uh, I got hit with fajita ingredients. It was really strange. Just someone threw some uh, onions and bell peppers at me along with some chopped chicken. It was just very strange. Mm. I, I was wondering what happened to all that stuff. Yeah. 
Were the tortillas like taco size or burrito size? A variety. Okay. Some wow. there's no rules when you're. So do they bring them in the stadium? I'm yes. yeah. yeah. I mean, when we were walking in, there was literally a dude that had a bag of tortillas, and I thought you had to smuggle them in a little bit. And I'm sure you still do, but he had them exposed. Granted, it was a morning kickoff. He could have been going to a tailgate for some breakfast burritos, and his item was tortillas to bring. But I think it being a Texas Tech game, I don't know. It's a little bit of a coincidence. Too much of a coincidence. Would it make sense if you're a Tech fan to always have burritos at your tailgate? I mean, it's I mean, Tech. You should. Breakfast then, burritos. Then you always have the tortillas, tortillas laying around. Yeah. Hmm. We'll say, though, that's the most tortillas I've ever seen flung at an opposing bench in my time at a Texas Tech game. A lot of tortilla violence towards the kids. I mean, they were throwing them at K-State players during the course of the game. It wasn't just the opening kickoff where everyone throws them. They were actually chucking them at players, and the players were throwing them back <laughs> at the end of the game. So it was kind of funny. Would you say they were on a roll? No, they, they a, that's not a wrong rolls. bread product. It's a burrito. You roll it? Uh, you tried. It was okay. Let's, let's Should we roll on to the next question? Let's, let's roll. <laughs> roll on. Another Take a bite out of it. from Wizard6294. When's the last time you've seen a K-State football team so undisciplined with penalties and turnovers? Is this a symptom of Chris Kleiman being a quote-unquote players coach and his kids not being able to handle negativity? No. I mean, let's not read too much in this. Uh, but it is concerning. I'm not going to gloss over the fact that 12 penalties is absurd and two turnovers. Um it's not because he's a player's coach. Who oh, you think he goes to the practice and say, ah, oh, you fumbled. That's cute. I mean, no. I mean, he, he doesn't like turnovers and penalties as much as any other coach. Um, I'll say this, though. I'm going to be blunt. That was the worst, sloppiest performance from a K-State team in terms of those things since Stan Parrish. It looked a lot like a Stan Parrish team for the first half. And they gathered themselves and did enough to win, and, but they still had six penalties in each half. They gotta stop. They they're not gonna beat TCU with twelve penalties. You're not gonna beat West Virginia with twelve penalties. You're not gonna beat anyone but Kansas with twelve penalties. And I'll even say on certain days that's gonna put you in peril against Kansas. He knows. He knows. But uh they weren't going to post game dwell on that negative to try to take the wind out of the sails of their players, but it is being addressed, and believe me, when we talk to players today, they're aware of how sloppy they played. There's no excuse for the penalties. No. I mean, it's not a, a result of coaching. The penalties, he talked about it in his, in his press conference on Tuesday. He can live with the holding. He can live with the pass interference. That's going to happen. But those, by and large, weren't the penalties that were happening. It was the false starts and the offside penalties. And, you know, credit to Nate Matlack. You know, that's some that's a play that not very many people have really been talking about. But on the interception that Rush East had, it looked like on TV that Nate Matlack jumped off sides. I pointed this out in the tail of the tape. Nate Matlack was so far onside, he tried to scoot up right before the ball was snapped. So it made it look like he jumped off sides. When in reality, he knew exactly where, where he was and he was never even close to being off sides. So credit to him on that. But the false starts just can't happen. You know, Brian Hanley talked about it in your post-game review podcast, Fitz, but that's just a, a mental mistake. And I'm sorry, Jackson Neen, if you continue to false start from the fullback position, Ridiculous. you will not play. There's absolutely no excuse for that to happen. And he knows that. And, you know, I'm sure Brian Anderson, the running backs coach, has talked about him and, and Jason Ray, too. It's like, hey, we got guys behind you that will can easily come in and take your spot. So if you continue to have plays like that, you're not going to play. And it's not just him. Same thing with receivers. That drives me crazy is watching receivers have false starts. I mean, it's the same thing. You watch the ball. Watch the ball as a receiver and as a fullback. There's no reason why you should be, you know, giddy to get off the snap because you want to control yourself when you go to make a block. So I think the false starts out of everything. Turnovers, yes. I, under Understandable. You, you have to get those fixed. But the false start penalties are something you can for sure fix going into next week. I just I don't understand the difference between, you know, the Snyder years where these penalties, they didn't do this. They didn't have self-inflicting penalties like this. And if they did, it was for the first couple of games and then it was sorted out. There weren't guys having multiple four, fall, false starts in a game 
you know, come game three or four and for the rest of the season under, under Snyder. So I want to know what is the difference? I don't really know. And I don't know if there's an answer, but yes, there is at some point, there is a lack of discipline when it comes to penalties. And quite frankly, up until now, there hasn't been the desire to fix it. So hopefully it gets fixed going forward, but these penalties have been happening a lot of the season what, what and it's, it's game C it's game seven. This should have been sorted out weeks ago. What bothered me so much is so many of them were from the offensive line, which is a mm -hmm. veteran group that seems to be one of the more stable position groups on this roster because of the coaching of Connor Riley. Now you want to talk about a, a player's coach. I, Connor Riley, I guarantee it climbed up the, you know, what of all of those players. I mean, he's, he gets after it a little bit. Now the players love him. Don't get me wrong, but he's a disciplinarian. He, he's perfect for an offensive line coach. And that's why I don't worry about that group at no, all. That's, that's another thing is I think he'll get it cleaned up. Yeah. I don't it's, worry about that group. It's the things like receivers and Jack Stanine and you just can't be doing this guys. You, you virtually every time unplug a drive with one of those penalties. You have to overcome so much. Sometimes getting 10 yards for a first down is really difficult. Changing it to 15 makes it almost impossible at times. It feels like they have – they're they're pressuring so much. And we've seen it, you know, on Sundays with the Chiefs. They're trying to do way too much. Well, K-State's in the same situation. They were pressing so much the entire game. They felt like they had to make the perfect block. They had to make the perfect throw. They had to make the perfect run. When you get all tense, you can't play loose. And when it happens when you're tense, penalties happen. So, you know, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, there's a good chance that now that they have the monkey off of their back, they start to play a little bit more loose. And you just hope that by playing loose, they clean it up and, you know, make, eliminate the penalties. You, you know what it means when you played tense in your former game? It's past tense. <laughs> Maybe move on to the next question. Uh, real quick, okay. I'm 22 years young, and I've seen a lot more frustrating games from K-State, but mm -hmm. I've never seen a team be that undisciplined. That's sloppy. And it was Fitz, sloppy. you mentioned it. K-State doesn't beat any other Big 12 team on Saturday, including Kansas. You know, K-State handed Tech that win on a silver platter, and it still found a way to lose. So I'm not – I'm still really skeptical. Cole, we've argued about this a little bit this past weekend. I'm not bought in after beating a crappy Texas Tech team that just fired their head coach by one point. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I I'm not completely bought in, but I'll say this. They just had to win. They just if it'd have been devastating if they lost that game. I think uh probably tech fans have been more pissed off than K State fans if <laughs> Tech had won the game. They were so eager to fire that guy. What did he do? Did he kill someone's puppy? I mean, what the hell's going on in Lubbock where all of a sudden they think they're LSU and they should be contending for national titles. We can save that for the second. Half. Really? We're going to have that. I want to talk about it now, but I'm not going to. Let's go on to the next question. From Get Out More Cat, where does Texas Tech rank among the remaining eight Big Twelve schools? What in? Assuming football, right? I don't know. Well, football. Maybe, just take your rant now. I'm sorry. Well, I just in football, it's 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 down there. I mean, they would be the worst if Kansas had any self respect and tried. TCU? Eh, you want to take over so. a program right now? I would take TCU over Tech. Uh, you know, it's very interesting to me. We don't uh, we don't realize this, but Tech's 40,000 students. Tech is a big institution. That's crazy. It is crazy. Look at the stadium on Saturday. I know. It, you feel like there's some comparisons between Tech and K-State because it is their engineering ag school. But there really isn't because it's Texas and there's 40,000 students. Hell, there's 30,000 in names. It's crazy that how much smaller K-State is in some of these institutions. But I would take TCU if that job came open because mm -hmm. you're in the, the Metroplex. And yeah. you're also a private school, which is kind of important if you want to cut some corners. Uh, I don't know. I I don't even know where I'm going with this. I see potential in Texas Tech. I really do. I think if you get the right coach in there, they could have success. If you can get people to Ames, if you can get people to Manhattan, you can get people to Lubbock. Yeah, I agree. And you have a base that's even bigger in Texas to work from. So if Patrick Mahomes can go play in, in Lubbock, Texas, you're going to be able, with the right coach, to get recruits. Cliff Kingsbury, we've seen. There were questions. Could he coach? Well, guess what? He knows how to coach. He just couldn't recruit. He didn't want to recruit. 
Matt, and you and you look what happened with Matt Wells. I'm, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't understand why you let him go so early. Sure. Did they beat crappy teams to get to five wins? Yes. Did they lose to a team in K-State that had lost three games in a row? Sure. But I think there's a lot of people that still believe K-State isn't, you know, above the bottom five of the of the conference. Texas Tech is not there yet, but it's still not out of the realm of possibility that they could win a bowl game and go get to a bowl. And with a third-year head coach, the second the second year being a pandemic, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I I, I don't think that. Texas Tech is that far down on the remaining eight. I, I would probably put them right now. I think that job, personally, is a better, more attractive than TCU, just because of what Gary Patterson has just been so stagnant. You know, if, if both of those positions were open, then okay, maybe you look at and, and you're right. Maybe you take it because of the Metroplex. But I still think if they get the right head coach, then Texas Tech could leapfrog TCU. And we don't know what's going to happen with West Virginia either. Or Baylor. Right. Baylor might come open if. So I'm not ready to bury them at at LSU. I'm not ready to bury them. I, it really struck me that we're all slaves to how we have viewed football from our alma mater slash team, whatever at Kansas state after years of watching Bill Snyder football, boring is acceptable, but sloppy isn't making mistakes. Isn't. And so fans are upset about how sloppy it was in a win. At Texas Tech, it's not just about wins and losses. It's about excitement. They got literally addicted to the heroin that was Mike Leach's offense. That's the only way they want to see football played. I think it's nonsense football. I think it's fool's gold. Yeah, you win a lot of games. But at the end of the day, when you go up against a really good opponent, you can't beat them. Because you can't outscore them, you can't stop them. So Matt Wells comes in and has moderate to little success playing a traditional form of football, picking up Cliff Kingsbury's roster, who wasn't as wild and wide open as King as Leach, but Kingsbury did also play the spread. So you gave this guy one full normal season to fix the roster, go through a pandemic, and then have five wins. They're at five wins. And they were so determined to fire him, they had to do it now because what if he won? What if he beat Oklahoma State or Iowa State or Baylor and got to six wins with an upset? Can't fire him then. You're going to look horrible. But now if you fire him and you promote your coordinator to be interim and they upset it, oh, my gosh, same team. But what a great coach. I. We're all just tied to how we perceive football from what we viewed from our school. And what they are perceiving as football to me is crap. And if they don't get off of that, they'll never be a great football program because the rest of college football caught up to the spread. They finally figured it out, and they've run it out of most quarters of of football now. People spread the field, but it's not the traditional stuff that Leach was running or lack of tradition, I guess. Now we're seeing running backs, running backs, running backs, running backs all through the conference because the defense were acclimated to stop the spread. They got smaller, lighter. Now everyone's running the ball. It's all cyclical. comes around. They want to run the spread. Every defense in this conference is built to stop it. Have fun. You guys have seen SMU's head coach be a name yeah. that's in this conversation. Some people are saying that you'd want to just stay there, win 10 yeah. games or something, and get upgraded to a Power 5 program eventually above Texas Tech. Do you guys agree with no, that? Or I do don't. You think you no, it's his alma mater. No, I, I don't agree with that. Maybe he would want to stay at SMU, but only if SMU is possibly in Big 12 expansion. Okay. The only place I've ever heard SMU mentioned is in Texas. Nobody outside of Texas wants SMU. This isn't the Southwest Conference. We don't want that. Four teams in a 12- or 16-team conference from the state of Texas is plenty. So Sonny Dykes would make sense to go back. I mean, Spike Dykes was the Gary Patterson of Tech. He, you know, I mean, he was—he wasn't the winningest football coach here. I think he was second, um, but it kind of wound down, and they eventually fired him. But he was a good old boy. Uh, he had—he had one of my favorite um, coach quotes at a Big Twelve media days, or 
Well, I can't remember what year, but so far <laughs> back. But you guys probably won't even understand this. That's how old he was as a coach. Mm-hmm. But in his great Texas draw, someone asked him about the unity of the team, and he said, well, we, we all drink from the same dipper. <laughs> Which is back in the day when you would literally went over to a water bucket and had a, a dipper of water. It was just a great quote. We all drink from the same dipper. He's he's part of the tradition there, even though they eventually fired him. And I can see this being a very logical move for everyone involved. From KSU Man, if Skyler can't effectively can't run effectively, should we see Will Howard mixed into short yardage plays? I don't think he's ineffective. I mean, he's not the same. We know that. He's not the same. But I almost think this is better. Mm, I agree. I don't want your quarterback running five designed runs in the game. I want him to be surprises. And I want a lot of his runs to be, hey, there's no one open. I can run to the chains first down. And I think we'll see at some point, Skyler just take off on a quarterback draw when he gets man coverage and everyone turns their back and takes off running. He's just going to go right up the middle. I I thought maybe we'd see Will Howard some on Saturday, but as you get into the course of a game, when do you sit there and say, Hey, let's take our senior leader off the field to put in this other guy to run a play that the defense now knows is probably a quarterback run that won't work. The only time I would even think about, now that Skylar Thompson is getting closer to being not fully healthy, but to the point where everything in the playbook is available, I think the only time you would put Will Howard in it would be in a quarterback sneak situation. Because let me ask you this real quick. Yes. Under center. Yes. Bring him in off the bench with a center, exchanging the ball. I think that's the best way possible because I don't think you would want to risk. Now, granted. Quarterbacks don't get hurt on quarterback sneaks. Like people that watch the Chiefs, and I'm assuming if you are a K State fan, there's a better than good chance you're a Chiefs fan. Quarterbacks don't get hurt on quarterback sneaks. When Patrick Mahomes got hurt on a quarterback sneak, that was a one in literally a million chance. But with that being said, I still think we've seen it before. Think about Jacoby Brissett when he was the backup for Phillip Rivers coming in, and just because he's bigger and stronger and can lean more, you know, forward for the first down, so. I don't see a problem with it. That is, you have to have full 100% trust in Will Howard. I'm not saying I do, but if the coaches feel like they do, then I think that that would be the only way that I would put him in. And I was on the bandwagon of let's get Will Howard more involved in the game plan. But you mentioned it, Fitz. This is a pro-style offense right now, and it's working. So I, I don't think you need to mess around with Will unless you feel like that is your best chance. We haven't seen Will Howard since the Oklahoma State game. Right. He's played three games this year. At what point do you get so far down the season where you say, you know what? We can play him one more time and we can shut him down. Mm -hmm. Because you're approaching after this game, you have four games in the regular season left. You got Jaron Lewis if you need him. And then you have Jake Rubley for four games if you need him. I'm not saying you need to play Jake Rubley, but if you want to preserve Will Howard's red shirt, I think... I think there's because if they don't play him against TCU, it's going to get increasingly suspicious, I guess, of what they've talked about Will Howard this whole time. You know, what, you know, great tools he brings to the table. Well, they haven't played him in three games they could have used him in. Now four almost. Well, if you save his red shirt, you are saying Will Howard is the guy, no matter what hell or high water, Will Howard is the guy. And I'm not sure that they're fully. Uh, ready 100% to say that. So I think if they think they need Will at some point oh, I think in the game, if they need him, him they'll play him. But yeah. I, I like but, Zach's point. Yeah. At I some mean, point, if you get to mop up duty, you know, they're blowing out Kansas, you can put in Jaron Lewis. Mm-hmm. Let him, he needs the time, yeah. put him in. Uh, so I get what they might be after. I just accidentally hit my walk and talk that's a sit in the damn car this week, and it's I'm staring at myself, and it's bugging the hell out of me. Get Go away, Tim. Go away. <laughs> Boy, have we heard that before. Um, yeah, I'd be very intrigued to see if they if, might try to preserve it at this point. If he, Yeah, if Will Howard does not play, if K-State does what they should do against KU, if Will Howard does not play in that game, I think that says the whole story of what the plan is for the rest of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Because you probably won't, unless Skyler's hurt, you probably won't need a backup in the last two games for sure. I think those are going to be really competitive games. And maybe West Virginia. West Virginia gives Chris Kleiman trouble. Mm -hmm. He addressed that. It was really interesting to me. So Tech has beaten TC, excuse me, Tech has beaten West Virginia three times. Um, West Virginia has beaten TCU three times. Kansas State has beaten Tech three times and has also lost to, T- to West Virginia twice now, and this will be the third time. It's really in- intriguing to me what a, how teams are matching up in this mm-hmm. conference. I thought Will Howard was the best backup in the, in the nation. He, well, uh, as a backup. As the backup. I know. I know. Which so, we have not seen. It. This role that has been invented by that quote has not ever been seen. Didn't see it in the first game. Mm-hmm. He started three games. Hasn't seen him since. It's interesting. It's it's weird. Because it's one of those situations, honestly, where the coaches sit around and talk about hypotheticals. Yeah, we'll just get Will in for a possession or two to run the ball and do that. And then you get into the game and, like, we're not taking Skyler off the field. <laughs> the guy's completing 80% of his passes. Why would we take him out? It says more about Skyler than it does about Will. Right. I want to say that. That's good. Yep. Zach, is this cat mania? I think it's Catmania. I don't remember if they've ever been on the podcast, but if not, welcome. Welcome. They didn't. They had a few number of posts, but I feel welcome like I've typed that before. Catman One A. Either or that works too. Do you think we spot TCU some freebie points at the start of this game, oh, or God. do we break this miserable trend? Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they've got good running backs. This. Oh my God! You win the toss, you get the ball. That's where I'm at at this point. Which is so weird because we talked about the third quarter and how they come out flat because they don't have the ball. That's the, that's the next question, though. Well, to get to that. I, I mean, seriously, we'll go ahead and read it. From claws out, balls out, are teams electing to receive rather than defer because of our porous defense with the idea of playing with the lead? No, I, th- I think TCU, or excuse me, Tech chose the ball because of their poor defense. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get on the board. The game opened exactly the way Tech wanted. It was a dream start. Our defense sucks. We're now playing from the lead. We're going to win this game. And then they didn't. Um, it is an interesting question if teams, though, would want the ball. I think TCU might want the ball to start against this defense to make K-State play from behind. They got to fix this. this is, that was awful. Julius Brantz, I know you got held on that play. Kleiman called him out in the postgame press conference. I don't care if you are being held. you got to seal the edge. Multiple times he said that. And it was awful. He just – it was awful it wasn't called because at one point he was trying to back away from the guy blocking him, and he couldn't. I mean, it was so obvious a hold. I I was just baffled why it wasn't called. Those refs were awful. But you got to get off it. you got to break through it. Felix Andy Dick, it was – held and he he said he didn't even realize it until he watched the video he was so focused on getting to the running back so this goes back to one of the questions earlier about discipline Malik Knowles has a big uh, impact on this answer for me is he gonna yeah. rip a guy's helmet off again is he gonna fumble the football the before the offense even comes on the field they, that if he can play the smart game. then K-State might have a chance to compete early on but if he does something like that again he might Put K-State in a deeper hole than it needs to be in. Just this lack of attention of detail from Malik just bugs me so much. Mm -hmm. He's got so much talent. Yep. But I'm not going to follow my fundamentals on this catch, and I'm going to drop it. I'm not going to tuck the ball away on this kickoff, and I'm going to fumble it. And, oh, the game's on the line, but I am going to get a totally meaningless face mask, personal foul, because I can't control my temper and I just got baited into a 15-yard penalty that might cost my team the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't care. It felt good to grab that guy by the face mask. Get control of yourself, man. I, I told Ryan this when we were watching the game. And I said, you know what? I'll, I, I'm okay with as much, as much as it contradicts a lot of what we talked about. If you get a personal foul penalty because you're sticking up for your teammate – and the only I, I'm somewhat okay with that. And the only reason I say that is because Cooper Beebe got punched in the face. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the reason they called hands to the face was because Cooper Beebe was literally punched in the face by a defensive end who was rushing. He was Cooper Beebe was dominating him the entire game, and the guy got sick of it. He's pass blocking. The guy 
disengages and punches him straight in the face and gives him a bloody gives him a bloody mouth, a bloody nose or whatever. And the referees don't kick him out. They just call legal hands to the face because they missed that there was a punch. And of course, the announcers they didn't show it again. They didn't talk no, about it. We never saw it in the press right. box <laughs> because Cooper Beebe is laying on the ground with a bloody mouth. That is literally the only explanation for that. So if you get a personal foul penalty because you're sticking up for your teammate and doing something like that, I don't want to say that I'm okay with it, but it's understandable. But for Malik, at that point, you have to understand it doesn't matter what's going on as long as you don't put your hands in that guy's face. They're not going to call anything. They're just going to separate it. You guys talk crap. Do whatever you want to go. Go your separate ways. As much as I don't, as much as I want to say, play hard to the whistle. Don't worry about your opponent. That's not the reality of the situation when you're playing a Big Twelve football game. Stuff is going to happen. You just have to know where the line is and when to not cross it. Uh, I, I, we haven't seen that before. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the last time Malik had a penalty like that. Um, but I, that that can't happen. That, that hurt me. That that was more frustrating than the fumble because mistakes like the fumble are going to happen. Should he have put the ball away? Yes. But do I think that there's a better chance he'll hold on to the ball better next time? Yes. But he, you can't have – it doesn't matter who you are. You can't have penalties like that. Yeah. I remember a game. It's been a while now because I can't, can't remember who the quarterback was. It might have been Jake Waters. But one of the Kansas State offensive linemen got called for personal foul penalty for grabbing an opposing player on the pile and pulling him off. Well, it turned out he was grabbing the junk of his quarterback in the pile, and he saw it. And when you look at the replay, the referee saw it and still threw the flag on the offensive line. It's always the second one. Yep. I mean, you can't be the reactor. I don't know. I mean, if I, you're sticking up for I your team, I think the one uh, alteration to that theory should be. If you're grabbing someone else's junk, you get the death penalty. Let's just go with that. You don't get ejection. You, you just you're, you're done. You're just done. That's just weird. Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. Speaking of junk, go ahead. That's go. it for the first half. Oh, that's it for the first half of the Power Cat Questions podcast. I, I don't know if you could hear my producer in the ear right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big time thing. We got producers. We got dogs. We got jugglers. We got fire eating clowns. Okay, we don't have that. We'll be back on the other half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Fitz and Zach and Cole and Gills, the whole group is here this week. Gills is now wandering around Kansas City talking basketball and making up quotes. <laughs> he had an imaginary conversation with Bob Huggins. I think that's the most incredible thing is you were able to decipher what Bob Huggins actually said. <laughs> 
interviewing him. So funny. You should see it, folks. And the post game when he plays in Bramlage and he goes into the little little tiny room. It's not a big room at all. But if you're not in the first row, you're not hearing him unless you're on. <laughs> Zach can hear him back because he's got the microphone I, and the headphones. I on. make sure I have my headphones for Bob Huggins. Uh, yeah, I think that was the first press conference I ever went to as a student on the radio station, and I was so intimidated in that room with Huggy Bear. I couldn't yeah. hear a word. And he's a big sweetheart. That's what's funny about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to make him mad as a player, but he's actually just a really nice guy. He's just, like, really laid back. That's what was so funny about this guy going at you. It's like he so clearly didn't know who Bob Huggins was. He had this cutout figure imagination of him. There's some big, mean, big-timer. He doesn't know. He's like Bob Knight and everyone. He's not. He's, like, a, one of the nicest guys you ever meet. Except to me. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Supposedly. I mean, this guy's trying to say, well, Bob Huggins would never talk to some lowly guy. The first night I met Bob Huggins, he hugged me. <laughs> there might have been alcohol involved. I'm not saying there wasn't. But we had all been out stampede. Everyone knows I'm good friends with Brad Underwood. So our wives and Brad and I, and then next thing we know, Huggy and his wife were with us at Soul Long Saloon. Sounds like a great time. What a night. It was it was interesting. And then when they got to leave, I got a big hug from Hugs. <clears throat> kind of fitting. Big, mean bully. Telling lies. Gills. Gills is sponsored by the fridge. When he makes up stuff, he goes to the fridge and drinks right out of the bottle. Don't do that. It's illegal. The fridge. That was a horrible. On the corner of? This and that in the town in which we live. Man, I don't know what they're doing with their money. Why are they paying for this? Huh? Please make sure you go to the fridge and tell them you love them. Segment sponsors, Tanner's Hilo. Aggieville, get there this weekend. Party! That was still a lad. Questions from Wild Bass Station. Cole, you got these or Gills? Gills? Mm-hmm. Ah, Gills is your rolling. There's some basketball questions. Oh, oh, so it's Cole's are doing. Yeah, Cole's got them. Give it to Cole. The Half and Half Podcast. Here we go. Whoa. From Campy3507. Neil Brown, Matt Wills, hmm. Les Miles, and Chris Kleiman were all hired in the same year. Amazing. Two of those are now gone. How do you feel K-State did with the hire two and a half years later? Well, I, put this into context. These were the two finalists for the K-State job. The two that have survived are the ones that they were picking between. I mean, they both wanted it. They both interviewed well. They were both well-liked. And quite honestly, the reason they went with Chris Kleiman is the perception that Neil Brown, being a Southern guy, would probably want a Southern job as soon as it opened up, particularly in the SEC. And it was felt like Chris Kleiman was much more comfortable at a school such as K-State and might hang in there for the long haul. Now, he's a Big Ten guy. Maybe that comes around eventually in Iowa or Wisconsin or something, Minnesota. Um, but, you know, the perception was that Kleiman is more likely to put down roots here at Kansas State for the long term, which I think is kind of funny because, you know, when that contract extension was given, the thought was we can't lose him. But now people are like, why'd you do that? <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's such a fine line. But, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. I like Neil Brown a lot. I think he's a really good coach. They are, too, going through issues. People are really underestimating in the process of rebuilding what last year does to a coach. Now, we can all agree Les Miles was a comical hire. They thought it, they were getting – someone incredible, and they got a shell of that man who ended up being a horrible choice for other reasons, the fact that he wasn't all all up there. I'm, I wrote about Matt Wells at Tuesday at Go Paracat. I think it's a ridiculous firing. I think it's absurd what they did, giving someone that little of time. But, you know, it's not like he's a bad guy. He's a good guy. It just didn't take to him. Man, it's tough being a coach. But you do get about $3 million in a long contract that has to be paid off if uh, if you don't work out. It's a pretty good deal. You stop and think about it. Hey, we're going to fire you. Here's $10 million. Oh, okay. Thanks. Who else was K-State going to hire, though, at the time? I mean, besides the guys that we are, have talked about, if you don't think that Chris Kleiman was the right guy to hire and Neil Brown – Pretend that that never happened and he goes to West Virginia. Well, then who do you want to get? Because all the realistic options. Mike Norvell. 
have not been, I don't know, I mean, what do you want to say? Yeah. Seth Luttrell, another one, Seth Luttrell that yeah. people like. I mean, they get fired from North Texas. Like, I don't think that the hiring could have gone any better. And, you know, you don't want to sit here and make excuses, but I'm going to make an excuse. We've talked about it all along. Last year was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. And they played three really good teams to start Big 12 play this year. Take a chill pill and reassess where you are at the end of the year. I don't want to say that this is an unfair question, but when you look at Neil Brown, Matt Wells, and Les Miles, the other three coaches that did get hired in the same time, Neil Brown is underperforming at West Virginia right now. Matt Wells just got fired for nothing, and Les Miles was a you-know-what show at, at Kansas. So let's ignore the first part of that question because you look at that standard that Kleiman has against those three coaches. He's obviously performing the best right now, in my opinion. But two two and a half years into this, this hire, I don't feel fair assessing – Kleiman's performance one way or another with all the circumstances that have happened in his time here. So I will say this, though, his recruiting needs to improve. Um, his trust in his assistants, I think, ne- he needs to take a look in the mirror at and see if Messingham and all these guys are are the best options. And if they are, then then go for it. But if not, then maybe make some changes. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic with him, but I think some changes, some some sort of change needs to happen at, at this trajectory recruiting, coaching, schematics, X's and O's, something is going to have to go in the right direction. I mean, Big 12 aside, who else was hired at the end of 2018 going into 2019 mm-hmm. around the country that's having a better career, I guess, than Neil Brown or Chris Kleiman? The, the, you know what I mean? I mean, I understand you're looking at Dave Aranda and seeing a guy in year two having success, but I don't accept that he inherited problems at at Baylor. I don't. They had a lot of great players. They on played the team. in the Big Twelve Championship yeah. game. Yeah, they Matt lost Rule a regular season game. We just won, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Matt Rule was a pretty damn good coach. So I don't accept that they've got roster issues there. I think he picked up something really good. I think he's a good coach. I think that's why he might end up at LSU, which would be a tragedy for Baylor. But again, that underscores why they picked Chris Kleiman. You know, I I mean, when you hire someone like that. There was a there's a reason. There's always an underlying reason when an AD makes a move like Kirby Hoka did at Texas Tech or the AD at LSU did with Orgeron. I mean, there's always an underlying. There's something out there that they want to get on immediately and be able to make an offer as soon as they can. So it you just got to let this play out a little bit. I cannot grasp the lack of um, patience at Texas Tech, especially nowadays. Those kids can say, I just signed here two years ago to play for Matt Wells, and you fired him. Into the portal, I go. Mm-hmm. It could absolutely devastate your program. Good things take time. Is, that like, is that like putting muffins in the oven or something? Rome wasn't built in a day. But I also feel like Texas Tech. We, we actually don't have any evidence of that. <laughs> it could have been. I agree with what Fitz has said, though, is you had to fire him now because if he wins one more game, You're he's bowl eligible, and he had an uh, incredible win. An incredible win. So if you don't think he's the guy, which they didn't, that was the time to do it. And the worst case for them was him beating Baylor because that's pseudo the rival. That would have been a disaster for him. Was oh, my this, God. Was this your butt game? Your what? BU, the logos they spell butt if oh, it's the right do. if it's the right game. Sometimes it's not though. Every other year it's a also, butt game. They also spell taboo. Wouldn't it be yeah, butt too? We're not going to include the U in Texas Tech. Texas Tech not in the logo. Not the, look. Put the logos up. Uh, okay. Get on College Football okay. Reddit okay. every two years. Come on. Oh my God. Come let's on. move on. <laughs> oh, it's me. Uh, <laughs> We have a gold uh, retriever answer, asking the question. Second question comes from Byers DVM. How many transfers will be added to the football team at season's end, and 900. what positions would you like to see targeted? Um, I'm going to well, guess seven. Yeah, a big part of this is the NCAA, I did a daily delivery on this a long time ago, is going to consider legislation um, to allow you to add seven transfer portal players to replace seven players who departed your program in the transfer portal without counting them into your class of 25. Now, this is huge for Kansas State. 
it'd be huge for any program attempting to rebuild. And a bunch of guys leave, like I just mentioned with Texas Tech. He had seven guys leave. It'd probably be more than that. But to be able to sign a class of 32 if you needed that many players is enormous. I mean, that allows you to fill far more than a third of your roster in one recruiting class. So we'll see how that plays out. If if There's going to be transfers. The people are going to freak out, and you shouldn't. It's just going to happen now. It's easy to do. Players are going to get up and leave and go to other places, and you'll have to replace them. And so far, I think Kansas State, as far as I can tell, football and basketball have done a really good job of using the portal to find players who fit their programs. So, yeah, there will be plenty. There will be plenty in the portal. Um, and, again, I get back to this. I'm really shocked that Kansas State doesn't have a new director of portal recruiting or portal scouting or something. They should. So 22 is the max number you can bring in? 25. 25. Well, they have 12 commits right now. And, I but, mean, as, as far as they're on the recruiting front, I would suspect high school kids-wise, you're looking at three, four, five max. Well, still to commit. I, I and think you're it's also 85 max, and they, they might be pushing up against that too. I think they're pretty much done. I think they're close. Yeah, I think they're really close to being done on the high school level. They'll take one or two more. Yeah, I, that's what I'd say one or two more. Um, so yeah, I mean you, that would put you at what seven guys, seven, eight, nine potentially with if you want to get to that twenty-five, um, that twenty-five number for, if you can for try class, that, right? You yeah, gotta keep I mean, it under eighty-five. So I, it, it, again, and you have a lot to have that, departures too, right? A lot of that is who leaves early, who decides to come back. That's a super senior. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be who's going to come back as a super senior. And quite honestly, it wouldn't shock me if they've already had that conversation. That's another point. Because they've talked – they talked about last year, oh, we'll, we'll have that conversation when we need to. I think that's I think that's wrong. I think you need to have that conversation ASAP because that affects your high school recruiting. That affects your portal recruiting. You need to know who's coming back and who's not. So this is one – layer that's different than last year. Skylar Thompson, I don't know if he does actually count in the 85 if they're under it with him and Cody Fletcher and Boom Massey and Noah Johnson and Jerome McPherson. I got all five, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Boom. Boom. Get it. Massey. Um, But those super seniors from last year or this year didn't count in the 85. The ones next year do. From here on out, they do. Yes. So if someone wants to come back, you as a coach can decide – Sorry, we don't have room for you. But what's different this year is, I mean, last year, if let's just say hypothetically Skylar Thompson went into the portal for his super senior year, that was never going to happen. But if he did, he would have counted in that school's scholarship count, but not Kansas State's. So there was an advantage to keeping your super seniors. They didn't count. Now it's all equal. If you stay at K-State or if you leave, that's going to have to be counted into that program's 85. So uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see if who, if anyone wants to come back. I mean, Daniel Matterbebe could work on his his doctorate pretty soon. He could. Is he, he could, eligible to come back? No, he's out. Yeah. But I'm just saying, uh, he could be Doctor Bebe. <laughs> you just wanted to set yourself up for that I joke. Know, I did. I look at a guy like Reggie Stubblefield as somebody who could potentially mm-hmm. come back for a super senior year because he is. Seen significant playing time. And he's getting better and better and acclimating better. to this level. Yeah. yeah. He's I mean, a perfect the, candidate. Yep. And so that's a question of as a coach, okay, do you want a guy like that? Or do you want maybe a, a transfer guy who maybe has a little bit more upside? Okay. So we, we wandered so far off. He was asking also about positions. positions. Right? I think they'll definitely look at corners and safeties for sure. Probably another Safety. interior defensive yes. lineman um, just because they're losing a couple of those guys. I mean, I don't know. Is Timmy Horn eligible to be a super senior? They'd take him back. I, I, think I feel like he, he might is. Be. Yeah, I, don't I think know. he is. I think he's in his fifth year. It's very. I think if either Huggins or Horn want to come back, or both, they would take. So real because what you're looking at realistically, if even if a kid is a redshirt senior, he could still come back next year. Right. Yeah. Right. Next year, last year didn't technically happen if they want to count it that way mm-hmm. in your eligibility. Um, wide receiver, probably a wide receiver. God, let's hope. Um, There's honestly no reason they shouldn't be keeping every single position, at least on the radar. Right. Offensive tackle. I think they still feel like they'd like to find a a true left tackle um, until the young guys are ready. BB belongs inside, and they'll get him inside if they can find a true left tackle. The number one should be linebacker. Yep, linebacker has to be bolstered. 
and, and bolstered in a big way. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Green will be back. That's good. Um, and so you need to find some other guys there. What about a running like back? Running back? Yeah. I don't think so. Nah. I mean, they got the Junction City kid. I, I don't think so. Um, maybe tight end again. Because you're you're going to lose two of your guys. It depends I mean, on I how just, you feel about Connor Fox and right. and Swanson and even these incoming Lofton, these incoming guys. Right. I don't know. You may potentially. My yeah. thoughts on running back right now. You basically have two running backs that play. You have Deuce and you have Joe Irvin. Jacartier, after his fumble, <laughs> he's been the doghouse. I, Who he's else? not in the doghouse, but I do have a milk carton upstairs with his picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's missing. And they haven't brought any other guys up for any significant reps, if any at all. They seem pretty one-dimensional as far as what they do at running back, which is why I feel like it's worth asking the question. Because if you're so deep at running back with these guys, where are they? If if they're not getting above Jacardia Wright, who can't get on the field, and when he does, he fumbles. Well, there's no there's no running backs in this class. Okay, so if you have a transfer, a guy like Clyde Price, who has been here for three years and has not seen a single snap at running back, I think he might be a potential transfer player. Now, Clyde Price could very well progress in the offseason, maybe move to linebacker, which I know is what a lot of people have wanted him to do. But if he ends up leaving, if Jacardier Wright ends up leaving, you know, this is all speculation, but you're going to have to have depth. And they don't have any freshmen coming in. So I think that you're, you might be onto something, Zach. Zach, if if there is one, if, if there's an open spot when it's all said and done, when you're done with the portal and you want to take a shot on a running back who may be the diamond in the rough that you think can develop into some superstar, fine. But I think that Joe Irvin and Deuce Vaughn can those two can easily get the job done. So I don't. Think um, yeah, they I'm need not. Help. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you look at the first year of climbing, you had Gilbert Brown. Gilbert. Uh, Trotter, you had this stable of running backs, mm-hmm. and up until early this season, it was just Deuce. It so was you saying this is only new, Deuce. This isn't what Chris Kleiman wants to be doing with the yeah, running back. Yeah, I position. think that's fair. I, I think that there's probably a desire to have more than just Deuce. I mean, you have to have more than just Deuce, and you need to put him out on the slot sometimes. You need to do some other stuff, and having just Joe Irvin behind Deuce to lean on just isn't enough for this offense. I think Chris Kleiman should just stop recruiting tight ends to get him off the transfer portal. Okay. That's good advice. Well, they're going to have to find a blocking tight end. They're going to, Nick Lynch is going to be tough to replace because he's a foundation-type guy that um, you have in there for most of your plays. Mm-hmm. Most of your plays. That's going to be tough to replace. Uh, next question from Wizard6294. Rumor has it K-State basketball beat a pretty good Oregon club by three this weekend. Does that change your tune on this team? No. No, it, look, let's, let's be clear. These, these aren't real games. There's, they keep score, but they don't – they're glorified scrimmages. And they don't really play by the same rules. Some, some games are probably two 20-minute halves, and others might be – let's play 10-minute sections here. A dog drinking. He opens the door and then goes to get a drink. <laughs> He's like a little kid. I'm telling you. No, I look. I understand that. Um, the feedback I received from the scrimmage is K State's improved defensively. They're more locked in right now than they were last year, which is good because when you bring in three grad transfers or excuse me, you know, transfer portal guys, um, kind of acclimating that defense could be tough. It's a different type of defense. Uh, I think they'll still struggle to score a little bit, but not nearly as much as last year. It hasn't changed my thought at all. I, I, please don't stop to think that K-State's going to compete for top four spot in the Big 12. Don't fool yourself into that. You're just going to just welcome it if it happens. I just don't see any way in hell it's ever going to happen this this season. The, the conference is really good this year. So you said no, doesn't change your tune because of you're taking it with a grain of salt. Right. It's, it's I, not a real game. I say no, but it doesn't change my tune because I've already had some pretty, pretty high expecta- yeah. expectations for this team. And they beat Oregon without Nigel Pack. We, we haven't even mentioned that. So that's impressive. In oh, I didn't own. know that. I didn't. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't play at all. So 
uh, dealing with a hip injury. So without Pack, who is arguably their best player, I'm I'm still satisfied and I'm I'm still bought in with this team. This doesn't really change my outlook. If they lost, it, it probably wouldn't even change anything as well. I saw that Oregon was picked second in the Pac-12. Yes. Pac-12 is hot trash always. So. <laughs> right. I mean, so I, again, I think I would have been – I would have changed my tune more if K-State would have gone and we would have gotten reports that they lost by 25 or something of that nature. Yeah. I'm with you, Fitz. I, I don't think – I have to see it to believe it. Let's just put it that way. We can see all the reports we want to see. I've seen with my own two eyes that I think that they're going to be improved. But how much have they improved compared to other teams in the conference? That I don't know. What I'm interested in is I wonder what they're saying up in Oregon. I bet you they're saying they beat K-State by three points because they're not really score-capped. <laughs> you kind of keep a score, but you don't. These aren't real games. They're not even exhibition games, people. They're glorified practices. I heard they had yeah. four or five quarters of eight minutes. See, that's just weird. So five five of- quarters of eight minutes is a fifth. Those are five There's fifths. A, those are okay. fifthers. I didn't know that was the term, but <laughs> it's, uh, technically, K State. K State could have lost one or two or even three of those, right? But they net gained it by yeah, by I three. Know. I guess what I, people are saying on aggregate. So they played golf. Zach, I went to Kansas State University to study journalism and mass communications. I did not get a degree in mathematics. What? Uh, do Neither you did think I. K-State, <laughs> do you think K State makes the NCAA tournament, Ryan Gilbert? I do, yeah. Okay. But I'm also the the Ooh. Homer, so yeah, you're a Homer. <laughs> Actually, I don't think Homer Simpson. Would I mean, be picking that people went off on me, and I agree. Coaches are not going to talk trash on K State at media days. But when I asked the coaches and players, they had nothing but great things to say about that team, except for Bob Huggins, of course. But they seem, you know, genuinely. Scott Drew was like, yeah. Bruce Weber is one of the best coaches in the country. So I think they're going to get it turned around. And the people that I've talked to within the program, Cole, I didn't need that that reference from you. People that I've talked to, this is the most joy they've had in years around that program because everyone's bought in. And we all know this with Bruce Weber. If he's inherited a good situation with good players that care and want to buy in and want to play – they're going to do great if he gets his players that want to go the slack locker off. Room. Yeah, it's all, it's about, all the about the locker room with his programs. If he has a good locker room, everyone's bought in, you're in really good shape because he needs the guys to do what he wants. He micromanages his team. And if he has a team that will accept that and buy into that, they're going to be okay. I, could, I couldn't play for that. I couldn't have a coach yelling constant instructions to me while I'm just trying to play. But if the the guys buy in defensively and understand what he wants offensively, they're going to be okay. And if it's a cohesive unit, this is always the key. Does he have an alpha? Yeah, he does. His name's Mark Smith. I was called a Mike. Who would do that? Um, Speaking of Mike, on the ESPN broadcast at Media Days, he said that the locker room was in uh, departments, I believe was the word, departments. you guys hear that or catch that? No. The fact that he even went out and said that, I think it just shows you it's night and day difference between this season and last season. He's saying this season? They were last year. Last year, okay. Yeah, and that's very interesting because I looked at the sophomore class that's now all gone, maybe juniors, um, as the first class of the rebuild. But I almost feel like they came into such a mess, they only understood a locker room that was like that with clicks. Like this, these are the guys that do this and these are the guys that do that. And, and, um, I think they just perpetuated that because they thought that's how it was done. That's what they saw in that disaster season with Cardi Jada and Xavier Sneed and all the turmoil that locker room wasn't just divided. It was trashed. And then, so, you know, last year it didn't all get solved. But now it sounds like they brought in three guys that can play significant minutes, also be leaders and also unify a locker room. And congratulations on that. I hope they have a big season. I hope they really do surprise people. I'm just tempering my optimism. I am not making plans to cover the final four. Just saying, just saying, I'm not making plans to cover the final. Four. Are you saying that I am? Yes, you can do. So you, you mentioned the final four. This goes on with the next question oh, from buyers DVM. Once again, the basketball team should be improved this year. What will be considered a good basketball season this year, and where should I set my expectations? <laughs> well, I, I'm dead serious. I am all in on if you're in the field of 64. So 64, 68? No, 
I don't accept the first four. Yeah. I think it's total BS. I think it's a ridiculous thing. Just make the damn tournament 64 teams. I don't understand this. Is somehow the NCAA beholden to the Dayton tourism? I mean, yeah, they really are because that's where they only ever play these games. It they bid for them. And that's City, what they doesn't did. it? You guys agree? I agree. I think I think if you put these those four teams, in, I guess there are eight teams, four games in Municipal Auditorium in downtown Kansas City. Oh, heck yeah. Not T-Mobile? Yeah, I was going to say T-Mobile. No, you put it in Muni because it – up until recently, it was the most often used mm. NCAA tournament venue in history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because so many of those games were – they had so many Final Fours down there because the NCAA used to be here. So, yeah, I, I do think that would be really cool to have it in a traditional venue. And I think people around here would show up for that. And you would start counting it as being no, – it It's trash. <laughs> it's total trash. Or if they want us to keep it at 68, take the eight worst teams and put them in that and play in to be a 16. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They want the TV ratings. This is so much – these games that are 11 or 12 seeds playing into the bracket, that makes no sense. You can't have two 11 seeds in the same bracket. That's not how a bracket works. They just made up rules. People are telling me, well, you can't do pods. We don't know. They made up rules with the NCAA tournament and just said, hey, we're going to have two 11 seeds in this in the east and two 12s in the west and two 16s in the south. It just wasn't used to I understand it if, it's, if, if the argument is Last year? they're at large. They're the four final at large teams. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I think it's dumb if you're going to make four auto bids play as 16 seeds. If you want to look at it that way, or just those or, are the four teams that shouldn't be in. Right. They should just put. They should make all the playing games 16. So the, games mm-hmm. the question to give them some momentum to go beat right. a number one seed. Give them a win. Yeah. How those games are significant for those 16 teams to be able to get in the NCAA tournament and claim a win, even if it's that. That's huge for those programs. But it's an insult to have Syracuse playing, I don't know. It's always Syracuse. Missouri in a play-in game. Neither one of those programs want to be in that game. They accept it because UCLA proved why. You can use that and get all the way to the Final Four. But I also think it's skewing the bracket. It's giving a team artificial momentum going into the main bracket. I think the question was about your expectations for K-State, and we got off on a well, little tangent. Well, no, but uh, my thing is is I think they've got to make the field. we got to quit settling for basketball averageness. If that's, is that a right word? Mm-hmm. Average, sure. Averageicity. There we go. That's the word. Averageicity. Yeah, I'm going with it. Mediocrity. Oh, that's a good word. Meteorocrity. Meteorocrity. Me- meteorites. Meteorocrity. Like a, an average meteorite. Sure. Okay. We've got to stop settling at Kansas State. This is a incredible basketball tradition that they'd stirred back to life, and now we're like, oh, we got to give them four years to rebuild. I don't understand this. The program shouldn't be this way. Get it better. My expectations are like when you're a kid and you wake up on Christmas Story morning time. and you go in and you look in your stocking. You know, you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get with your presents, right? F yeah, it's underwear. (laughs) You have no idea what's going to be in your stocking. It could be amazing or it could be absolutely trash. That's kind of how I feel with K-State basketball. Hmm. That kind of sounds like a blind date with Cole Carmody. Man, there's wow. a there's a good outcome of a blind date with Cole Carmody. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Um, I'll say, make the NCAA tournament and win your first game. If that's the eight nine matchup, the seven ten game, win your first game, get knocked out by a one two whatever seed. I'll be happy. Okay. But where should he ex- he set he or she set their expectations? Probably I don't know seven a.m. What time do you guys get up in the morning on Christmas? Oh, about the season. <laughs> uh, I, Seventh. I, I th- yeah, yes. I think if they like, get into that middle core of you know the middle four, you're not going to be top three. But if you can be in those middle four, and not bottom three. Yeah. I mean that's generally flirting with a bid to the NCAA tournament, and you're competitive that. in every game. Yeah, you can't have what happened to Baylor. Yep. That not the last game. Or Final Four Day State. Well, Baylor, that was the worst loss since nineteen I don't even know what the year was. It was pre World War Two. 
Did they use peach buckets? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't alive. Mm-hmm. Especially with how good the Big 12 is. That helps K-State. If they can go 8-10, right. and 10, you're flirting with a bid. You are. You're in, you're in the NCAA tournament if you are 8-10. and 10. Unless you screwed up your non-conference and lost mm-hmm. a Which segues to the last question of the podcast from Wizards6294. Most anticipated basketball non-conference game? Pittsburgh State. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. They are gorillas. I would say either game in Kansas City. Yeah, I think the Kansas City event that I won't be able to go to because it's the same weekend or same week, excuse me, as the Texas road trip. So uh, those games Monday and Tuesday that mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. We have a Tuesday football press conference. What, what? Who planned this? Maybe, Maybe we can get them to move the press conference up to Monday because of basketball. I'm going to try to play that card. What about also because Wichita it's a State? Friday game, a Friday yeah, football game? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about Wichita State to answer mm-hmm. this question? Oh, that I am fired up about. I'm so glad they've mm-hmm. got that series going. And Nebraska? Yeah. That, those that. are definitely games that Kansas State should be scheduling Nebraska and Missouri and Colorado. Any of those will have such greater value on the schedule. I mean, even if Nebraska is not good, if – Let's just say this. If Nebraska is really not that much different than Nebraska-Omaha. Yeah. Play you, Nebraska. You still want to play Nebraska. I would think Nebraska's – when you play Nebraska, there is a different aura about it than when you play Nebraska-Omaha. They will be more locked in playing Nebraska than they will Nebraska-Omaha. That is my theory, and I'm sticking to no, it. I agree. So, I mean, you look at their, their non-conference schedule – I know Ryan's got it pulled up, and I do as well. But, I mean, you have Arkansas and then either Cincinnati or Illinois. If it, if they end up playing Illinois, that it's just going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they play Wichita They play Wichita State. They still have Marquette that they play here. Shaka Smart comes back to Bramlage. Is he going to have hair? I don't know. And then they play Nebraska. That's a good point. And they also play Ole Miss. So you look at their non-conference schedule, and this is not the same non-conference schedule that Bruce Weber usually has. Right. He's challenging them. Right. And I love it. It's great. It truly is great. I'm not, I'm probably alone here, but I'm not really too excited about playing Nebraska. That's just me. If this was football, absolutely. Well, no, I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing Nebraska to playing um, Illinois or even Arkansas. I'm just saying if you're playing Nebraska instead of Coppin State. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, they, they just have to get back to some of those games. The old scheduling philosophy in football, you schedule good basketball schools and basketball, you schedule good football schools because it looks good on the schedule. Now, I don't know who that adds up to, but anymore, but that's how you've typically done it. If they're really good. I mean, Duke, they were great to schedule on football at one time because they're great in basketball. They sound awesome, but a lot of that's being blown up. Because I can't explain Wake Forest in any way. Duke used to be good in football. They were a few years ago. Yeah, the David heck? Cutcliffe had him had him rolling. I think didn't they play in the ACC championship once? Mm-hmm. A few years ago, yeah. yeah. Like traditionally, though. Did you know? K-State? No, no, traditionally, no. Okay. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming to Bramlage Coliseum. Why? Green Bay. Oh wait. No, that's that's not actually uh, him. That's Brett Favre. He, mm. play, he plays on that team. Okay. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. Go have a great week. Go out there and kick some butt. And then go to Aggieville on Saturday morning. Go to a football game. Go to Aggieville on Saturday night. Or downtown. I'm not saying you shouldn't go downtown. Or if you're like a West Sider, you can do that too. Come hang out in Manhattan. We need you. We love you. We miss you. And that's it for this podcast. Make sure you catch the pregame podcast that I'll be working on Wednesday. While you're listening to this podcast, it's kind of confusing. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. PowerCat.